You're listening to the OKC82 Podcast with Brady Trantham and Madison Morris. The best place for OKC Thunder basketball. A part of 1077 The Franchise Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Wow. <laughs> what an incredibly disappointing um, last 48 hours it has been. Um First of all, this this podcast, this episode is particularly super, super late, so very, very sorry for that. Um, so right after the Lakers game ended, Madison and I were, you know, we were on Skype. Um, we couldn't go to the station because of the weather. Uh, Madison lives up in Oklahoma City. I still live in Norman, and it was so bad that even Madison couldn't make it the 10-minute drive to the station because it was just, it was looking too hairy out there. Um uh, below freezing temperature and ice all over the road and even I earlier that day before the game even started I was going coming back from Oklahoma City um, down south into Norman and I passed about 20 wrecks northbound on I-35 so yeah we just kind of decided yeah let's just do this one on Skype today <laughs> and um, so we do the game or we watch the game uh, the Thunder win, of course, over the LA Lakers, 107 to 100. I think it's been so long. Yeah, 107 to 100. Russell Westbrook plays terribly, um, shooting wise, but still finishes with a triple double. Paul George is incredible, and we'll get to that late, um, a little bit. But I just wanted to give some pretext as to why this episode is particularly late. Um, so we get on Skype and we get all prepared with our notes and we start recording, and we're about five, ten minutes into our first recording. And the connection starts to lag, and Madison can't hear everything I'm saying, and we're basically texting each other while the other person is talking because either one of us can't hear the other person particularly well. And so we tried to scrap it, restart our computers, and um, start over for a second recording, and the same problems happened. And I just said, you know what, screw it, just uh, Madison, go to sleep, enjoy your enjoy your snow night and I'll do it. And so I got on, yeah, I got on to audacity, which every, everybody, if you're familiar, it's not the best program, but Hey, it's free. So I record about a 38 minute podcast, all this going while this is going on. (laughs) My girlfriend is experiencing, uh, food poisoning symptoms and is not feeling the best and is basically jumping from you know the bed going into the bathroom every 10 minutes it was really hard to concentrate but I tried to soldier through it and get it done as quickly as I can so I could help my girlfriend out and um yeah I I do about 37 38 minutes and we actually had quite a few questions that night and I'll get into those questions um so it went the podcast went a little bit longer than um I anticipated um just going by myself and I thought it was really, really good. I had, um, I actually took notes for this this time. Usually, if I do one by myself, I'm I'm riffing and just going off of my raw thoughts, which is the point of this podcast. You know, after every single game, Madison and I, and whoever else that we have on Chisholm or um, whoever or Jerry Ramsey, um, we just kind of give our initial f- thoughts to the game without you know letting it marinate in our minds for too long. Um, but by then, the next game started, and it doesn't matter. And hopefully, this podcast will serve as some, uh, you know, if you need some thunder fix before tonight's uh, tip off, which I know most of our listeners are in Oklahoma, so you have to wait quite a few hours. I'm recording this right now at about two o'clock in the afternoon, 
and at my house and my house doesn't have the best Wi-Fi. So God knows when this will actually be uploaded onto SoundCloud and then go out to, um, all the podcast services that we are available on. But yeah, so I get about 38 minutes done, hit stop. And I'm like, okay, that was pretty good. Put that out there and everybody will be able to listen to it overnight. Um, all of our New Zealand listeners shout out to you guys. So they would, they would be hearing it during the day and everybody else stateside would be hearing it in the morning probably. And then I go to um, basically listen to the first few minutes like I usually do to make sure everything sounds good. And I then realize the problem that I that we were experiencing during the Skype sessions with Madison was that my microphone went to crap. And the recording um, that I did by myself on Audacity was also trash. So I had to scrap the microphone. And by this time, it was about 1.30 in the morning or one thirty or two in the morning. And my girlfriend was just, I mean, bless her heart. She was just not having a good night. So I just said, I'll forget it. I'll do it tomorrow. And I need to go take care of my, my uh, girlfriend. And we did all that stuff. I didn't go to sleep till about five o'clock, woke up pretty um, late in the day. And wouldn't you know it, there was just no good internet and no power at the house for a good portion of the day because of the snowstorm. So that was fun. Um, we basically just relaxed and watched movies on my phone. (laughs) So everybody, I am super sorry that this episode is going out super late and a shout out to uh, Brandon Lloyd, um, at Brandon Lloyd 33. You asked some questions, um, after the Lakers game and I, um, answered them. I'll get to them towards the end of this show. Um, but, uh, yeah, you hit me up on Twitter last night and basically said, Hey, it's not a, a updated stitcher and there's no new episode. And yes, we are still here. Um, this is the second time that technical difficulties have plagued the OKC82 podcast, but we will continue to soldier on. Um, it's just that time of year. Sometimes weather will affect the podcast, whether it's uploading it or even being able to come together to record the damn thing. But um, rest assured, well, this one will be out before tonight's uh, game um, against the Trailblazers. And Madison and I will actually be doing the post-game show on 107.7 The Franchise, 107.9 in Tulsa, following the Trailblazers game, and like always, whenever one of us does the uh, post-game show on the radio, we will rip the audio and use that as the OKC82 podcast, and we'll be sure to give our listeners a shout-out on the air. So if you're in the market in Oklahoma, go ahead and tune in to 107.7 The Franchise or 107.9 if you're up in Tulsa, immediately following the game to listen to Madison and I talk about the Thunder's probable loss (laughs) to the Portland Trailblazers. And I say that because the Thunder have not won in Portland in about four score and seven years. So maybe tonight something will be different, but we'll we'll get into that since this is a day late. You know, I'll talk about the Lakers game and I'll preview a little bit of the Portland Trailblazers, of course. Um, But yeah, if you're out of the market, please, please, please be sure to download the franchise app. Just go to whatever application store that you use, type in franchise OKC, and it'll be the 107.7 The Franchise um, logo. It's free. It works really, really easy. You can always listen to... Um, if you're, like I said, if you're out of the market, you can always listen to local radio, um, talk about local radio personalities, talk about the thunder. And of course you can hear Madison and I randomly, and we'll be sure to let you know when we're on the post game show. So you can listen to it if you're interested, but yes, just other ways you can get your thunder, thunder fix, but let us get into the actual thunder fix, um, for this episode, this being, uh, I guess this was game 37, 
37. Yeah, this is game 37. And the Thunder now sit at 24 and 13 after defeating the LeBron James-less Los Angeles Lakers in LA at Staples Center. Um, 107 to 100. And like I said, Russell Westbrook, just abysmal shooting the ball. Um, finished 3 of 20. Um, did finish with a triple-double. Played some really great defense overall. Uh, rebounded well. And they weren't the, I guess, the hunting rebounds empty rebounds that many accuse him of grabbing. They were, there were some pretty tough rebounds that he grabbed um, amongst, uh, amongst the trees and a a few rebounds that were huge and pivotal because um, while the thunder kind of controlled from the fourth quarter um, and deep or about midway through the fourth quarter, they had, they built like a 12 point lead and that just looked like all the Lakers could muster and the Thunder were just going to pull away. And they ultimately only won by seven, of course, but the Thunder controlled the fourth quarter. But up until then, it was pretty much a back and forth affair that the Lakers were just leading throughout. And it wasn't until about the beginning of the fourth quarter, the Thunder got a six point lead. And at that time, that was the largest lead the Thunder had had up to that point. It was just, it kind of looked like um, the first Dallas game. Uh, going back on Sunday night, Madison and I were in the arena at American Airlines in Dallas that night, and we were kind of texting back and forth, and we both kind of had the same, yeah, I mean, this reminds me of that Dallas game. Um, the Thunder aren't shooting the ball particularly well. Uh, Paul George um, started either 0 for 6 or 1 for 7 and picked up three fouls in the first quarter, and it just had all the symptoms of this is going to be an abysmal offensive performance. Russell's going to continue to shoot poorly like he has been for the last month. And if Paul George isn't going to be able to be out on the floor because of foul trouble and simply the ball's just not going in for him, this is going to be a long night for the Thunder, and especially with the Lakers' youth and athleticism, um, them trying to find themselves without LeBron James and a lot of these young guys basically going through their tryouts of, please don't trade me for Anthony Davis, please don't trade me for... um, uh, Bradley Beal, please don't trade me LeBron James. This is, this is, you know, guys like Lonzo, Josh Hart, Kyle Kuzma. This is their time to shine and show that they are not just young dead weight that can be used in trades. So this was a huge game for the Lakers, make no mistake, but the Thunder did get the benefit of not having to face LeBron James, but still, it's still a road victory. Um, the Thunder really had to dig deep for this one. And I was, I was fairly impressed with it because we, I think we saw a side of Paul George that we, you know, as people who cover me and Madison uh, being people who have covered the Thunder and then, of course, Thunder fans at large, in the year and a half that we've seen Paul George with the Thunder, we haven't really seen this side of him where he's able to absorb a lot of hatred, if you will, and um, vitriol, and basically clap back with his play on the, um, on the floor. Paul George is kind of known as your perfect number two guy, a calming force, somebody who's not going to be the, I guess the hype rage level that a Russell Westbrook is that a LeBron James can be that, um, you know, just a bunch, a, a lot of other high level players that play with such raw emotion can be. Paul is just kind of known as he's your perfect number two guy. And even, even at times. And I think, un- um, probably undeservingly so kind of described as a soft player and going into that first quarter it certainly looked like that I mean I saw all these excuse me I saw all these comments on Twitter about how um, yeah this is what Paul George is he's he's a great player he's not in that top 10 category 
and he can let outside factors affect him and him being booed by his hometown crowd. And yes, Paul George is happy playing in Oklahoma City. Paul George is happy playing alongside Russell Westbrook. He is happy to play under Billy Donovan and on this team. And he is this season, he's flourished. He, this is the best season Paul George has played, even before he had that gruesome injury in that um, Olympic scrimmage um, a few years ago. This is the best Paul George has looked. And still, I can completely understand the human element of you're going back home. You know you're probably not going to get the the most warm reception, but it was pretty... It was pretty foul what the Lakers fans were doing. I mean, the booing thing is one thing. And quite frankly, I don't even think Lakers fans did it correctly. They would boo him when he would dribble the ball up the floor. They would boo him when he'd get a um, ball in the half court. And they would boo when he'd shoot it. But if he missed it, and he missed it very frequently in the first quarter, like I said, they, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't cheer harder. It was kind of odd. And um, I, I, I kind of put it up to just this isn't this is kind of beneath a fan base like the Lakers and the reason why I say that is Paul George of course like everybody knows Paul George never played for the Lakers Paul George is just from Southern California and was heavily connected to the Lakers for so long that you know the whole Lakers exceptionalism probably just the assumption there was such a large assumption that he was going to be there that it was pretty much a done deal in the minds of many and because he didn't choose to go to the Lakers, Lakers fans see it as a snub. And, I mean, I I, I guess I can understand that. I'm, I'm not a fan of either the Lakers or the Thunder, but um, I can understand the fan level. But just from a fan base like L.A., where there's so much else up to do, with, where, like, you see you see this from from fan bases, like, I mean, no offense, like Oklahoma City, where there's so much invested into the team where a lot of fans you know they they really love these players and they really love the connection that they feel with a Steven Adams with a Russell Westbrook with a Jeremy Grant everybody feels connected to this team because the community is smaller and that's just a fact there's nothing wrong with it we've seen small markets succeed and even Russell Westbrook before the game the other night against the Lakers Russell Westbrook said I don't believe in small markets if you're good you'll be recognized and he's been 100% correct and Russell is incredibly successful and internationally well-known, super famous, and one of the best players in the world. And the same goes for Paul George. But, I mean, like I said, it was just a little, I guess, off-character for a fan base like the Lakers. But um, I guess I understand it. But kind of my thing was just the whole traitor thing. That was a little... That was a little crossing of the line. And look, (laughs) I cover the Thunder and... I was in the building when Kevin Durant first came back. I've been in the building multiple times since Kevin Durant has come back a few times since that February matchup in 2017, I believe it was. And I thought it was a little embarrassing of the fan base because I know this fan base to be very um, loving. I know this fan base to be very intelligent. They know when to cheer. They know what to cheer for. Um, But again, I did give... (laughs) I thought it was embarrassing personally, but I thought the Thunder fan base was kind of owed that because of so, the the rarity of the situation of Kevin Durant leaving, coming back, or leaving to a team that they had probably should have beat in the Western Conference Finals, and now I'm getting too far off course. But again, the whole point of this is it was just weird to see. It was just an odd thing to see. 
um, but into the game, I mean, kudos to Paul George because, like I said, it looked like it was going to be one of those situations where the Thunder weren't going to get anything going offensively outside of Steven Adams, who in the first half, I tweeted it out, he looked like the best player on the floor on either on either team. The problem is, is, is if that's the case, it probably means A, Russell Westbrook isn't scoring, and B, Paul George is in foul trouble and therefore not on the floor because <laughs> Steven Adams is going to get extra opportunities to showcase how good he is. But um, as we've seen, Steven is never going to get enough opportunities to make, to pretty much make sure that it matters in the long term, in the long run. I'm talking about a game. I don't think Steven Adams is going to be your number one option in a game that you win if you're the thunder, but um, kudos again to Paul George, because after that first quarter performance, he turned into the MVP candidate that he has looked like in the last month and a half. And, I guess you could say the entire season because it has been Paul George's year. This has been Paul George's team this season. Um, Finishes with, let's see, 37 points, 15 of 29. Just incredible, incredible. Um, It's We've kind of run out of adjectives to describe Paul George's performances, you know, in the last month because, you know, the whole thing was, well, is he in the conversation? And I know... Good friend Andrew Schlecht has been kind of adamant about at what point, like what's the next category of when you're past the, are you in the conversation? And again, I'll say this as of right now, December, or it's not even December anymore, January 4th or whatever it is, 2019, I would be shocked if in a few months, Paul George has crowned the MVP. And that's because Milwaukee isn't going to go away. They're going to continue winning games, and Giannis Antetokounmpo is going to get a lot of credit for that, deservingly so. Um, Toronto, even though they got blasted, (laughs) blasted by San Antonio last night in kind of a similar situation that we were just talking about with um, smaller market fan bases being more connected to their team and therefore, um, I guess, given more of a pass when they see a former player and show their displeasure with said former player, Kawhi Leonard, um, certainly understands how the Spurs fan base views him now after seeing last night. But um, having said that, Toronto is still going to win a bunch of games. They're going to be a force in the East, and Kawhi Leonard is going to be getting a lot of credit for that as well. And then, of course, LeBron James in L.A., that's going to sway a lot of MVP voting. So in order for Paul George to win an MVP um, trophy, so many things have to happen. But um, like I said, I know Andrew Schlecht has been super, super uh, adamant about trying to champion that cause of, okay, he's not just in the conversation, he's a serious candidate. And while I agree, I just don't know if he's, I don't think he's going to win it. But at the same time, I don't know if that matters for the Thunder because really what's important is if he plays at at that um, level of being in the conversation for an MVP. If he wins it, great. That's the cherry on top. But if he's in the top three, top four, of MVP voting, that means his level of play has sustained throughout the entire year, which is saying a lot because Paul George throughout his entire career is incredibly streaky. He'll have a month where he's incredible, then he'll have a few weeks where he's lackluster, will drop 13 or 15 points and kind of be forgotten on the floor. Um, there will be game, games where he just doesn't have it on the defensive end because he's probably fatigued because he has to do so much, even on this Thunder team that's uh, just filled with great defensive ver- versatility everywhere you look. There's still going to be nights where he's tired and he just doesn't have it. And sometimes, I mean, mainly throughout his career, those situations have kind of been strung together. And that's kind of been the plaguing 
theme of Paul George, but it hasn't been the case this year. So if he's just in the conversation, then great. That's going to be incredible for the Thunder, and that means they're A, winning a lot of games, B, they're a top seed in the West, and C, there's a lot of optimism about them not just winning the first round in the West, which is saying something. This conference is incredibly tough, but going deep and maybe being that second team opposite of Golden State in the Western Conference Finals because we all know the Warriors are going to go. I mean, I know the Rockets just had an exciting victory over them last night. I watched it too. Kevin Durant had not one, not two, but three feet out of bounds. That was ridiculous. That was so stupid. Um, but yeah, if the Thunder, if Paul George is in that conversation at the end of the year, the Thunder are likely in all three of those categories I just mentioned, which is great. But I guess a few more thoughts on the game. The other the other prevailing kind of theme from that would just be Russell Westbrook and in, in that his shooting struggles continue. You can certainly tell on Twitter um, whenever there are quite a few um, Lakers personalities and media members that I enjoy. And then I uh, love to follow and some of them follow me back. And, um, you can certainly tell when some media members that try to claim that they watch as many games as they um, can, which is, I mean, it's, it's a hard task. I watch as much as I can, but I really couldn't tell you, I couldn't tell you like the depth of the Detroit Pistons. I couldn't tell you how, amazing and pick and roll the Utah Jazz's seventh sixth seventh guy off the bench is or in their rotation excuse me I couldn't tell you any of that stuff but I don't try to pretend like I watch everything but it, it was kind of funny to see like some of these and I won't name anybody but some media members that say or try to claim that yeah I watch every single game and I I don't just watch the team that I root for being the Lakers and then they'll tweet wow it's a good thing the Lakers got Russell Westbrook on a bad shooting night sir <laughs> this has been Russell Westbrook this entire year. I I am just as dumbfounded as you, the listener, as Thunder fans at large. I am just as dumbfounded with how Russell Westbrook is shooting so poorly. And you, you know you don't you don't really see it from that level of, of a point guard as they age. Once they get into their thirties, players like Russell Westbrook, perimeter guys their shooting typically goes up while their athleticism goes down. You know, it's just father time remains undefeated. But, you know, if you have a perimeter game um, shooting, you can elongate your career. And Sam Presti, Billy Donovan, back going into the offseason, and I asked Sam Presti about this specifically in the introductory presser a few months ago, if there was some type of organizational plan to try and elongate Russell Westbrook's career or his prime, whether that's maybe – having some planned rest games, um, restricting his minutes in some situations, or trying to get him to play differently, Presti kind of backed off on all the uh, resting him because, as we all know, asking Russell Westbrook to sit out a game is a chore all on its own. And he basically just leaned on, he's going to improve his shooting. And... I, he said, I can't remember the exact quote. I wish I had it pulled up, but it was something to the effect of this offseason or last offseason and this offseason has been so different for Russell because I think he's understanding where the trajectory, where his trajectory is and where the team's trajectory is. And so in, in saying that he's trying to evolve his game into that. And the way I interpreted it, interpreted it was He's trying to do something with his shooting. 
He's trying to figure out how he can be a, a much more dependable three-point shooter. He's trying to figure out how to be a smarter analytical shooter. And we've seen we've seen that transition this year. The problem is, is the ball just isn't going through the hoop. And the second problem is there are games, and even even uh, this game where I think was it was it the Lakers game? He he went 0 for seven. I think he was over seven from the three-point line. It might have been the first Dallas game. Actually, yeah, that Dallas game on Sunday night, he was over seven from the three-point line. Um, the second problem he has is just when he's trying to shoot in a tight game or when the Thunder are trailing, he shoots way too many threes. It's I th- I think that that's th- I think that that's the problem here. I think the problem is just he's he understands the problem, he sees the problem, and he's trying to get there. It's just not happening because things like this don't happen overnight. But again, the good thing for the Thunder, like I've been saying all season, is if your best player is trying to figure out how to evolve his game, your best player. Because usually if your best player isn't on his A game, you'd be hard-pressed to win as many games as the Thunder have. They're 11 games over 500. They're, the Thunders continue to win. And yes, a large part of that is because, yeah, their plan their plan B is Paul George. A lot of teams would love to have Paul George as their second option. But that's the Thunders' luxury that they've earned. So they can afford Russell Westbrook to have nights like this. And, you know, even, even saying that, yes, he was 3 for 20. It was terrible. But, man, he's doing so much in so many other areas. And this is becoming kind of a cliche of this season where, okay, yeah, Russell isn't shooting well. But man, he does so well in other areas, and I hate cliches. But man, it, it just rings true every single every single game I watch, and I'll probably see it tonight. Although this is Portland, this is Damian Lillard, we could see bad rust tonight, and not just bad shooting, but poor distribution, um, a lack of awareness and focus on the defensive end because of the Dame factor and because of the on the road in Portland factor. But from what we've seen. Even in these bit bad, you know, quote unquote bad Russ games, mainly it's just been because of his poor shooting. Well, Russell's really never been a poor shooter or a great shooter. I mean, what is he? A f- career forty six percent, forty six percent from the floor, and I think this year he's shooting forty four percent from the floor. So, I mean, the biggest difference I think is just he's not getting to the foul line, and when he's getting to the foul line, he's not knocking them down. And again, I think that falls back into what I was talking about about how he's trying to change focus and trying to understand a little bit better. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I saw somebody tweet out a few days ago it and forgive me if you're, if you listen to the podcast, just let me know that this was your tweet, but I can't remember your handle off the top of my head. But the question was, is Russell Westbrook the best player who constantly has to change his game every off season? And I think that that's true because it seems like from a national perspective, Russell is the most criticized player this side of LeBron James. But it's true. I mean, he he. there's so much that he can do that I, I think people just expect, oh, okay, if LeBron can do this or if LeBron can win these titles or if Kevin can go and win titles all of a sudden, then why can't I pounce a guy like Russell Westbrook? Well, there's so many other factors. Kevin plays for a 73-win team. LeBron James is the best player on, in the world and has had, you know, his pick of the litter in the East, which that's a fair debate. And also, LeBron has had quite a few co-stars to go along with him. Russell, this is his first foray 
you know, in the post Kevin Durant era of being the guy as well as leading the charge with another great player like Paul George before it was Kevin Durant's team in the eyes of so many. And Russell Westbrook was just there to be a spark plug, to be an an athletic mismatch, especially in like a lot of those spur series. But, um, yeah, and forgive me if I'm if I'm rambling, but again, this is kind of a, a late episode. This is obviously a late episode, late episode, so I'm trying to you know stir the pot a little bit and help you guys either I don't know debate a little bit more, talk a little bit more, um, enjoy the podcast a little bit more. I I, I don't really know, but um, what's been said about the Lakers game has been said. But I just wanted to focus on Paul George, got him out of the way, and then Russell, and because a lot of these questions kind of deal with Russell shooting and. I understand it's going to be a question about every other night, but again, the main things that I want everyone to remember is just in my opinion, I think it's just all mental. And that doesn't mean that he has a mental block and that he's never going to get get there because I, I know there are some media members that think, oh, it's all mental. Um, Russell isn't a good shooter and he, he just doesn't have it, implying that he's never going to have it because he has a mental block or he's mentally weak and I think that's just complete bull, first of all. And second of all, uh, downright disrespectful and rude. <laughs> I mean, Russell is one of the best players in the world, and he has proven time and time again to prove so many people wrong. And he continues to prove people wrong. And just because he's shooting poorly, yes, I think it's because it's of some type of mental aspect of him trying to evolve his game. But where I differ from some media members is I think it's going to rebound at some point. He's going to become a little bit of a better shooter. He's going to understand when to shoot threes, when not to shoot threes. And that's where he's going. That's where the trajectory is. The hope, the optimism for the Thunder is that in the meantime, they continue to win. And they have continued to win. And I know a little bit of the shine is knocked off of this particular win because LeBron James did not play. And, of course, Kyle Kuzma only played for a half, didn't return for the second half. So the the Lakers are without their two best scorers. But it's still a big win in a hostile environment, which Staples Center is hardly ever a, host, a hostile environment. It's a fun environment. It's a great atmosphere because of the stars and the history of the Lakers organization, but it's, it's hardly Portland on the road or or Salt Lake city on the road or Oklahoma city on the road. It's hardly that type of hostile environment, but it was a hostile environment this particular evening. And the thunder also have a poor shooting performance from Russell and a terrible first quarter from Paul George, yet they still somehow figure out how to win on the road in the West. And you can never bat an eye at that. So having said all that, I'll get into some questions so let me get down into the mentions. And again, guys, I so apologize for the lateness of this episode. But again, Madison and I will be on the radio tonight following the game. So that podcast will be out as soon as possible. Usually, I mean, what is this, a 930 tip off? Oh, great. See, this is what Jerry Ramsey does to us. Uh, Jerry Ramsey from 107 Points on the Franchise, our boss, he makes Madison and I do all the late game po- um, post games. But hey, I love this job. So I'll do them at 12 o'clock at night, 4.30 in the morning, I don't care. Whenever basketball, the Thunder play basketball, as soon as they end, if I need to talk about it, I will talk about it. So let us get to the questions. Um, ben Noble, um, at Ben R Noble one asks, Nader is starting to really make his, his presence known. How this affect rotations with Alex Abrinas and Andre Robertson? 
which is a really good question because people are really excited about Abdul Nader and his uh, last few performances. First of all, I think he's come a long way in just a few games. I tweeted during the Lakers game the other night, Nader has made such strides putting the ball on the floor in just four games. I was down in Houston for the Christmas game against the Rockets when uh, Billy Donovan threw him out there to counter the Rockets' small lineup. Patrick Patterson wasn't given the Thunder that much, so Billy tried to throw Nader out there to see what could happen. And the few times where Nader had to put the ball on the floor, he looked completely lost. He looked completely lost and didn't. He just didn't look comfortable. And even in some of his garbage time um, examples towards the beginning of the year, where he's coming out the last minute of the fourth quarter and just trying to make something happen, he just he just looked he looked he just he just looked lost. And that, it's not a knock. The guy's a second year player, and most of his first year was was spent with Boston's G League team. So in essence, he's still very much kind of a rookie. He's going to have the same problems that rookies have. When he's on the floor, he's probably going to get called for fouls a lot because he doesn't quite understand what you can get away with. He's not savvy yet. Um, The speed of the game might still be a little bit of a hurdle for him. But the guy looks so much more comfortable putting the ball on the floor in just four games. And if, if he is able to improve on that confidence and that ability... Him being probably the best pure, pure shooter on the team, and you ask any of the beat writers, uh, Brett Dawson, Eric Horn, Matty Lee, uh, Royce Young, myself, Madison, you ask anybody that goes to practices that gets to see these guys shoot in an open gym, of course, nobody defending them, Abdul Nader looks like the best shooter. And Billy Donovan is finally putting it into practice, um, mainly because you know towards the beginning of the year, Brett Dawson, I believe, from The Athletic, asked Billy about Nader, and what uh, Billy thought he could do with him, and Billy was pretty honest. I, I he said he didn't know. Uh, Nader was dealing with, uh, I believe, a, a knee issue in the preseason, kept him out the entire preseason. Um, didn't have that much of a training camp, of course, as well. Thunder just basically didn't really know what they had in the guy, except for his exceptional shooting that he showcases in practice every day. Um, so you know, examples like that, you're not going to just be able to throw that guy out there early on in the year and so now two three months into the year when your hand is kind of forced you throw Nader out there and he's impressed 18 point performance against Phoenix uh 10 points the other night um just looks like a great he's just he looks like the same shooter that we see in practice excuse me he looks like the same guy in practice when he's shooting the ball and that's incredibly important for a team that just cannot shoot the ball and if Alex Brinas is um he's still apparently not with the team tonight, out for personal reasons. I mean, God bless Alex Brinas, whatever he's going through, um, <laughs> personal reasons. So, yes, we'll leave it at that. Um, but if you're going to be out Alex Brinas for an extended period of time, you need a guy like Nader to develop. And towards um, to the question's point, I mean, what does that do with Alex Brinas and Andre Robertson in the future? I mean, Robertson, Billy was asked about Bill, um, Andre Robertson today, and it appears that... There's really not that much optimism for his return in the very near future. I don't know what that means because, what, a month ago when we all, um, when I posted those practice clips of Andre Robertson um, going through uh, three-on-three drills and looking every bit the player that we remember him to be, you know, his athleticism, just running and cutting, he looks so much more improved from the guy that at the beginning of the um, preseason couldn't even jump on a jump shot. 
I mean, we asked Billy Donovan about him that day, and there was a lot of optimism. And then about six hours later, it was reported that um, he had another snag and had to go through another procedure. So who knows? But assuming Andre Arberson comes back, the thing is, what type of what type of level is he at? Is he the same player, or is he still a little bit hobbled? Is he still a little bit timid, or is he does he need the condition to get back into the player that we know him to be? If that's the case. Billy doesn't have to play him that much because he is a one-sided player. Billy can throw out Nader. Billy can throw out Alex Brinas. Billy can throw out Hamadou Diallo still. Those guys will still see a lot of floor time um, relative relative to Andre Robertson's return. So I, I don't know if Andre is going to really put um, a monkey wrench into guys like Terrence's time, Ferguson's time, Alex Brinas, Abdul Nader, because the Thunder needs shooting, and Nader has shooting, and so it's a valuable asset. So uh, once again, Ben, thank you for the question. Um, but from also um, Brandon Lloyd uh, gave you a shout out earlier in the podcast. Um, something has to be done with Russell. Uh, Russ or Russ has the yip. Something has to be done. PG will cool off, and if Russ can get twenty nightly, um, we will have no offense. Just very worrisome. It is worrisome, but like I said in the beginning of the show, Paul George is in, has been incredible, and the Thunder can afford Russell Westbrook trying to figure it out. Um, let's see. Geo from IAMG underscore T underscore. What should we make of Russ's poor shooting woes? Is it aging, rounding into shape, or a combination of the of both? I don't think it has anything to do with the fact that he's 30 years old. Russell looks every bit the explosive athlete that he's been for the last few years. He's still in his prime. Um, can rounding into shape, I think, can play a little bit of little bit of that because he wasn't the same conditioned Russell Westbrook to his standard when he made his debut in that Sacramento game, the third game of the year. And you know, it, it takes some time to get into shape. And again, the Thunder keep winning, and they're winning at a at a rate that you could probably say maybe they can win in upwards of 50, 55 games. And if they're in that conversation, then they're probably a top three seed in the West. And by that time, Russell Westbrook will be fully conditioned and fully in game shape like he typically is maybe in the first few months of past seasons. So that's a good thing. But again, I think, uh, Gio, I think most of it just has to do with him trying to mentally alter his game, and it's kind of affecting the on-court performances. But he's so good that that's going to be figured out. That's going to be tempered out at some point. When is that going to be? I have no idea. It could happen tonight. It could happen in a month from now. It could happen after the um, All-Star break. I don't know. I just I just believe in my bones it's going to happen. Um, let's see. Bud Howard. Do you think Steven Adams will be a second option and consistently get more shots than Russ? If not, could you tell Russ or Billy that when they get back to Oklahoma City? I will not tell them that because I will be escorted out of the building. <laughs> but um, I don't think Steven can be a second option. I think he can be a second option in spurts. But Russell has Russell touched the ball, touches the ball. He is he's a high usage player. He touches the ball so much. A lot of what the Thunder do is dictated through Russell's hands. I just don't think that's ever going to be a case. Now, there are so many examples of, like, just going through my old tweets of, hey, Steven Adams got a lot of looks in the first quarter. That was fun. Too bad we'll never see that again this the rest of this game. I mean, that's something that the Thunder are going to have to figure out. But the way that the game is played with pace, speed, and perimeter play, athleticism, you'd just be hard-pressed to keep feeding a guy, you know, a seven-footer down on the block because if you're going to trade twos with threes, you're going to lose every time. Um, even a guy like Stephen Adams, who's played at near an all-star level this year and garnering a little bit of all-star attention, which is great for him. 
I just don't know if that's what you want. You want your perimeter guys to succeed. You want guys like Jeremy Grant to knock down corner threes. You want Paul George to continue to play at his level. You want Russell to obviously hit shots, but even when he's not hitting shots, he's such a force that, yes, I've been watching the last few games as well. I've seen guys sag off him and dare him to shoot, but the closer he gets to to the rim, the more dangerous he is. So it's a little unwise to do that and treat him like a guy who can't shoot. Um, because while the numbers say so, he's still a guy that you have to you have to put your best foot forward with on defense. But yeah, I mean that's kind of my thing with Steven Adams as a second option. Um, let's see, I think that might be it. Yeah, that is it for the questions. And if I skip some, if I miss some, I'm really really sorry. But um, I'll try and get to them on future episodes, of course. But um, yeah, this one was 40 minutes long, and it needs to go out. ASAP. Um, the Thunder, of course, will tip off tonight. Let's see. Is it, is it a 9.30 tip-off? It is a... Uh, yes, it's a 9.30 tip-off in Portland. Oh, boy. It's going to be a long night, but Thunder haven't won there since, I believe, 2014 or 2015. It's been a while, and they do not play well. It's it's basically like this this port this run in Portland um, since 2014 or 15, whenever that that last victory was, this is kind of similar to how the Thunder used to perform in Memphis back in the Grind City days with uh, Mark Gasol, uh, Zach Randolph, Tony Allen. The thun- they the Thunder would look like a different team 20- in 28 other cities, but in Memphis they would look terrible. And Portland has kind of been that thing now where they just can't get over that hump. And it turns into kind of like a Dame Lillard versus Russell Westbrook shootout. And Dame is always going to win the shootout in that matchup because he's just a better shooter. Um, not a better player, but a better shooter. So we'll see what type of performances we get out of Steven Adams, who is usually, I mean, everybody knows that athletic centers give him a lot of trouble, but even guys like Nurkic, who's a similar player to Steven Adams, he's been, he's given him a lot of trouble over the last few seasons. So we'll see what we'll see out of Steven Adams tonight. Will Paul George play like the MVP that he's played? Like, if so, you got to like the Thunder's chances. Um, Russell Westbrook, you basically just pray for a good shooting performance and whatever you can get out of <laughs> whatever you can get out of him is going to be good as long as it's positive. If we get a 9, 10, 11 turnover night, if we get um, you know, jacking up 8, 9 three-pointers and he's one of 8 or 0 of 9, you know, yeah. It's not <laughs> that's not going to look pretty, but um it's going to be interesting. The Thunder have been okay on the road actually i need to pull up their uh let me pull up their record real quick this is great podcasting uh thunder currently second in the west 24 and 13 um they're seven and three in their last 10 um on the road they are 11 and nine at home they're 13 and four again everything is going to be tough in the west and no matter how they get a victory, if they get a victory tonight, it's going to be a good thing. Whether it's a one point, just terrible, terrible win. Like kind of last night or the other night with the Lakers. I thought that game was so poorly played, but the Thunder just made enough plays late. Um, the Thunder will take it. The, the, the Trailblazers are 22 and 16, um, 14 and 6 at home, 8 of 10 on, 8 and 10 on the road. And so, of course, you know, they kind of fall into that category of uh, Dallas where they're amazing at home and terrible on the road not too terrible but they're not as good as they are at home but it'll be a good it'll be a good test to see where the thunder are because if they get over this hump 
I mean, I know quite a few people that cover this team that would be very, very um, pleasantly surprised if that's the case. So we'll see what happens with the Thunder tonight. But again, everybody, I am so, 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 so sorry that this came out late. Um, technical difficulties are a, are a bad word. <laughs> um, and yeah, it sometimes it just happens, but we'll try to be better a little bit next time. And even with weather delays or whatever happens, bad internet connections, I'll try and figure out some other way, but I just could not get to it. My girlfriend, like I said, was sick and we, I tried to just kind of take care of her for most of the first part of yesterday. And then by the time I started trying to record it, just, there was no power. And it was just kind of a, it was just one of those things where I just calm, tried to calm down and accept the fact that it wasn't going to go out super early, but it is what it is. But like I said, Madison and I will be on the post game show on 107.7, the franchise tonight. So please be sure to tune in. Um, tweet us, um, call us in. Like we'll, we'll, um, there is a number, and I can't remember the number because I'm not really good at my job apparently. But we'll uh, be sure that if you're interested in calling in, sharing your thoughts or comments on the radio, we will uh, shout that out for you all. But um, everybody, thank you so much for listening to the OKC82 podcast. I really, really, really appreciate it. Uh, you guys make this so much fun, and I'll try and put this out as soon as possible. But um, for Miss Madison Morris, who is not here, this is Brady Trantham signing off. Good night, everybody.